0: Well, kia ora, hello, and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, real joy to be here, guys. A long time ago, I was... uh... Speaking here, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago uh, when you're at the other school. so pretty cool just to see all that God's done here. And um, yeah, beautiful, really cool. And um, thanks for the introduction, Matt. It's, it is exciting with the 24 uh, 7 movement just getting established here in New Zealand. And uh, one of the first things that I did when uh, I was invited to uh, take that role back in June uh, was to invite Jacinda Lilly to uh, join our national leadership team, which she, after some t- time of discernment, said yes. So thrilled about that. So. Uh, Involuntarily, you guys are now part of 24-7 prayer here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, so thank you for uh, lending us to Cinder, and uh, I'd love you guys to be praying for us as we establish uh, this ministry, because I'm going to talk about prayer this morning, but uh, I've come to the utter conviction that the place of prayer is the most contested place in the life, both personally and corporately, uh, in the church today. It is just unbelievably contested, so we need to fight tooth and nail to see a culture of prayer restored to the church, so they will become a house of prayer for all nations once more. Amen. So the role of 24-7 is just to get us pom-poms out and cheer on the church and the the places of prayer, and then out of that into places of justice and mission uh, around the world today. Uh, Would you stand with me? We're going to read from uh, John 15, just out of respect for the word. This won't won't be on your screen, so if you can get your uh, Bibles out or your Androids or your iPhones or your scrolls. I'd love one day to someone just to bring a scroll to church and just unravel a scroll. Uh, or even a real Bible. Who's got a real Bible? Hold up a real Bible, someone. Oh, come on. Love it. There's like seven of them in the room today. Awesome. Let's turn to John chapter 15. I'll give you a second to get there. This is a very familiar passage. If you're, uh, if you're on your phone, you can just Google it. Uh, but if not uh, and, or if you bought your Bible you know where it is because you're a super Christian so John chapter 15 verses 4 very familiar passage but let's unpack that it says this remain in me Jesus says as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me I am the vine and you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in me uh, in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Grab the see. That was a test, by the way, that word of the Lord thing. I was like, is there any Anglicans in the room? I'm, my, my dad's an Ankin vicar. I grew up in an Ankin church. And so... That was—I was just curious to say, but it didn't, it always fails because Anglicans are very reserved, and so they wouldn't say it that loudly. So I'd never know if they're actually in the room or not. So, so the idea is—you say this is the word of the Lord, and then everyone says, "Thanks be to God." Let's do it. This is the word of the Lord. Be to All right, very good. I love uh, your church. Um, I track with you guys a bit and follow the live stream. It's—we've been in the room actually today uh, for the first time. But um, I just love the passion that you guys have for discipleship beautiful and and, you know you guys been using language that we've been using that we've stolen from other people Uh, with this whole idea that to be a disciple is to be a person whose life is orientated around being with Jesus becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did if he was you I just love that and uh, you're in the room this morning because at some point Jesus has intersected your life and maybe you're in the the room this morning because you're hungry to find out if there's more to life than this and, the, and our prayer for you is that you would encounter his loving presence in the room today. He's real, and he knows you, and he loves you. And when you when you get, when you kind of get, Jesus gets you, it can ruin your life in the best possible way. I mean, he's just so incredible. I've been, oh, like, I've grown up in the whole scene. I, I'm 42. Uh, my dad was a vicar. So, like, I, I was born into church, you know, and then I got infant baptized. I got, you know, adult baptized. I got confirmed. I I went to Bible college. I've been to the mission field. I've done I mean, all the things, you know. And, and I've been in full-time ministry now for 20 years. And I'm still captivated by Jesus. I still feel like I'm discovering. Do you remember back in the day there was uh, this kind of video, this sermon video, one of the few things that in 15 years ago that kind of went viral. Some of you guys may have seen it called My King. Do you remember that? This, this, this kind of video that went around, this African-American preacher. talking like, My King. Well, My My King. Uh, you know, he, he captured something in, that, in that, that little sermon. It was just this off-the-cuff sermon that this African-American preacher gave that was just like, oh, yeah. You know, and I'm listen to some of it. He's like, uh, like Mark King. Oh, I wish I was an African-American so badly. I've got to hold it in. He says, no means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? <laughs> He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. Well, do you know him? And then he he goes on to that person. He supplies strength for the weak. And I'm like, I've experienced that. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guides and he guides and he goes on and on and on and on. And I'm like, this man knows Jesus. And I just, like every descriptor, I'm like, oh man, there's just so much to discover of who he is. And so uh, with all the crazy ideologies in the world today and all the things vying for your attention and affection, there's a sense where Paul exhorts us to follow. Fight the good fight so that our lives would be orientated around being a disciple of Jesus. The best decision you can make for your life is to choose to orientate your life around him. But uh, what does that mean? Well, to to be with him and to become like him and do what he did. But, But I want to zero in especially on what it looks like to be with him, to live lives of prayer. Because as I said, this is a massively contested place. And we love the idea but resonance doesn't equal obedience. So what does it look like, not just to have the idea we should do it, but to live it, to live the vision of being people that sit with Jesus, abide with Jesus, remain with Jesus, have an intimacy with him, a communion with him, that go to the secret place daily and spend time with Jesus. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, really cool book, uh, where uh, this kind of senior devil is discipling a junior devil uh, to mess up the life of this Christian guy. Uh, and so C.S. Lewis writes all these sort of ways that this uh, junior devil can try and mess up the life of the Christian. Uh, and here's my theory. I reckon if C.S. Lewis, God bless him, love him, smoking a pipe in his you know, office at Sm- of rich mahogany and had me the lather bound books as an anchor reference for some of uh, you. You know, I, I just think if he was writing that book today, he would have a whole chapter on, uh, on distracting people. And he'd be like, you know what we've got to do? We've got to distract those Christ- that Christian. So that they don't spend time with that other guy. We don't want we don't want to spend any time with him. If they do that, then we've lost them. So what can we do? Well, you know, how about we introduce a little device that they could live in their pocket, and and we and it could be there and at any point if they want, when they're bored, they could they could look at something and be distracted. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. And so, at 2007, the iPhone gets introduced, right? And so now we have a. Uh, literally, I was Googling this during the worship, which is a little naughty, but then I went back to Jesus because I was curious. Uh, it was brilliant worship, by the way. That's on me, not on them. Um, and ironically got distracted with the thought, how, how, big, how big is the entertainment industry and the mobile phone advertising agency? Uh, and we're talking about over a $2 trillion industry in your pockets. So when you talk about principalities and powers, you've got a $2 trillion principality and power that wants to take any portal of prayer or boredom and entertain you. And as Ronald Rollheiser, the Catholic theologian, says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And so this is like, I'm like, we've got to hit the crisis button here and go, this is serious. The downstream implications if people stop praying are enormous on every single level. When it comes to mission, the kingdom of God, future church leaders, the whole caboodle, serving the poor, like it begins with the life of prayer. So, that's my intro. So this is the idea this morning. We're going to rip through this a little quicker because I've already gone on a few unplanned rants. But uh, this is... Next slide, please. We're going to look at this, the centrality of prayer, how we pray, and the fruit of a praying life, okay? Harvey, keep moving. If that's me talking to me. Let's go. So what's the, so the, the centrality of prayer? Jesus, ultimately, if we are disciples of Jesus, we've got to recognize that he was deeply committed to a life of prayer. If we go to the next slide, you'll just see, I'm not going to go through these, but like, there are just time after time after time where Jesus himself prays. He loved going to the secret place to be with his Father. What a a good exercise to do is to go through the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And every time you see Jesus praying or the early church praying, note where it is and what's happening. And you'll pick up that before or after any major decision, before ministry, after ministry, at any point of crisis, Jesus goes to the secret place to pray. Uh, The book of Acts has been called a commentary between prayer meetings in the early church. Why? Because they saw Jesus doing it, and Luke, Acts was written by Luke. So, like, this is a central dynamic to the life of the early church and to Jesus. Is there there another slide with some scriptures? Hey, look at this. There we go. I've got to remember what's on my slides. Uh, But the thing for us, though, is often in the should category, I should do this, rather than the must category, I've got to do this. So, how do we move there? How do we come? and, And I know I'm preaching this at the busiest time of year. And trust me, I was like, oh, you know, what should, we, what, what should I speak on, guys? I would love you to do something on prayer. And I'm like, oh, no. I mean, I know I'm meant to be the 24-7 National Coordinator for Prayer now. But, man, I'm busy. I'm crazy busy. I'm waking up in the morning panicked. You know, like when you wake up and you're like, Bleh! I've got to look at my to-do list. <laughs> right? It's just intense right now. And I'm like, and under, like the tragedy is like who we are under pressure is who we really are. So I'm like, oh Lord, I've got to fight like there's no tomorrow for actually what I really need in this season of pressure, which is to, to find a refuge in you and to come to that place of peace. Everything I need is found in the secret place. All that I need to get through this season especially is found in the secret place. You know, Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what you do in secret will will reward you. This uh, guy, Bob Sorge wrote a beautiful book called The Secrets of the Secret Place. It's well worth a read. And in the intro, he says this, what if there was a place that you could go and every time you went there, you received affirmation for who you really are strength for whatever circumstances you faced, encouragement in a time of disillusionment, and power to get through anything. Like, what if there was a place like that? The Bible's clear, there is. It's called the secret place. You know, so often it's like, I go through these seasons where I'm like, where are you, God? You know, I don't know where you are. You seem distant. It's like, oh, he's in the secret place. <laughs> That's where he is. So often, like, it's like, where's God? Well, God's like, where are you? <laughs> running around like crazy. And all you do is pray on the go. I'm in the secret place. I'm waiting for you. To turn up. There he is. So I think there's a challenge because sometimes I think we're not drawing on the divine resources that God has, has given us. And there's massive consequences to the state of our soul and the miss- missional fruit of our lives. N.T. Wright said this. Most people pray at least sometimes. Some people in many very different religions, tri- religious traditions, pray a great deal. At its lowest... Prayer is shouting into a void on the off chance there might be someone out there listening. At its highest, prayer merges into love as the presence of God becomes so real that we pass beyond words and into a sense of his reality and generosity and delight and grace. For most Christians, most of the time it takes place somewhere in between those two extremes. To be frank, for many people, it's not just a mystery but a puzzle. They know they ought to pray, but they're not sure quite how. So for a lot of my 20s, I grew up in a charismatic evangelical kind of world. What does it look like to pray? Um, so let's have a quick look like, uh, look at then how we pray. It's interesting that the disciples come to Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 11, and they're like, teach us how to pray. Now, that's a very interesting question because the disciples grew up in a culture that was a culture of prayer. It would be like if Kiwi culture like just stopped a number of times a day to pray because that's what you do if you're a Kiwi. You know, well, that's what the Jewish people did. So they grew up in a culture that prayed on every day, on the regular. Uh, and then they see something in the life of Jesus so profoundly beautiful in prayer, they're like, teach us how to pray. So Jesus re- re- replies to them, uh, and he's like, when you pray, shoot from the hip. Just see what the Holy Spirit says and just kind of flow with the vibes that you're going on that day. God bless you. You'll be great. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, when you pray... And he gives them a structure. Pray this. And if you go to the next slide, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I'm not going to dive deep into this, but Jesus gives them. When I started to get my head around this, it began to revolution, my, revolutionize my prayer life. I was like, so often in the charismatic evangelical world, we haven't, we've, we've looked down on liturgy, on set prayers, haven't we? It's religious. It's dead. I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an Anglican vicar's kid. Okay, I'm not, I'm not picking on you guys. Like, that was my vibe big time. Like, oh, man, it's dead, you know? And then, like, as I grew a brain, it was like, oh, hold on a second. A, Jesus taught us to pray things like this prayer. But secondly, it's actually impossible for set prayers to be dead. It's literally just an impossible category for them to be in. These sorts of prayers are either true or false. That's the category I can put them in but they can't be dead or alive. It be true or false. Now the person praying them, well, they're dead or alive, a whole different proposition. And so I began just going, well, what does it look like to pray some of the prayers? If you go to the next slide, it's really interesting that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and breaking of bread, and to... Actually, it says in the original Greek, the prayers, which is, again, fascinating to me. If I, if I say to you today, devote yourself to prayer... It's my job now 24-7. Uh, You'll be like, all right, I'll give it a crack. Devote yourself to the prayers. N- next logical step question would be, well, what's great. What are the prayers? Oh, good. I'm glad you asked. The Bible's given us a whole lot of prayers. In fact, Jesus gave us a prayer to pray, to help structure our prayer lives. And so I began to push back against the hyper-individualization of the Christian faith and began to pray the prayers because here's the problem. Before I started using some structure to my prayer life, uh, I would do what everyone does. When I was angry, I would pray angry prayers. When I was fearful, I would pray fearful prayers. When I was feeling greedy, which was a lot of the time, I would pray greedy prayers. When I was feeling, and on we went. And I needed prayers that were wiser than me, richer than me, deeper than me, been embedded by the church that helped me shake my prayer life like a trellis so that something healthy could grow. And so Jesus gave the disciples a set prayer. The Bible's filled with prayers. And then the church, in its wisdom over the years, has crafted prayers that are better than you could pray. And so I pray those prayers every single day. Now, I'm still led by the Spirit. I still pray. Everyone's freaking out. I still pray in tongues and my prayer. Don't. It's all right. You know? and, I, and with the Lord's Prayer, again, rabbis often did this. They weren't just giving that to be prayed by rote, though there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I do that on every lunchtime normally. But then when I've got a bit longer, I can use that to rip off our Father. Oh, man, that's cool. As long as it's my Father, man, I'm part of this whole thing. That's really cool. Father, Lord, help me understand that. That's a whole other jam. Like, you know, work through my father wounds and all this sort of stuff. But I want to know who you really are. And on we go. It can help shape my prayer life. And so I began to, uh, to do this. So I began to having prayers that, uh, that resisted, again, that hyper-individualization and privatization of the Christian faith and pray prayers that gave structure to my prayer life. And I just saw myself going deeper and deeper in prayer. It just formed something in me and became incredibly... Th- th- Let me just give you one example, actually. Um, uh, I've got... And so, again, I'm, I just, I'm still spirit-led. If I get bored with it, I pick another prayer, okay? I just, but I'm like, I just want to pray the prayers, I want to be devoted to the prayers. So here's one, like prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, I prayed that this morning, actually. Um, I love this. I prayed this this morning. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we your unworthy servants. I'm, like, I'm with my, my saints now. Give you humble thanks for all your goodness and your loving kindness to us and whom all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and and all the innumerable blessings of this life. But above all, for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ. For the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And I pray, Lord, give me such an awareness of your mercies that with a uh, truly thankful heart, I may show, show forth your praise, not only with my lips, but with my life, Lord. I mean, that's a, that's a good prayer. Can you just feel it? I can't I just couldn't pray that when I'm shooting from the hip. But that helped tap into something deep within me. So here's really practically, really practically, and, and there's there's so much we could speak to here. But here's if your prayer life is wobbly, here's a suggested structure. Because here's the thing: consistency trumps intensity with our prayer life. So if your prayer life is is rubbish and for Gen Y and younger. So, gym-wise, when the phone got, came into play, so 42-year-olds, 45-year-olds, and younger, your pre-life is rubbish. I know that. It's all good. Consistency trumps intensity. So, start doing something short on the regular. And so, this will take you 10 minutes, and by the time you're done with this, you'll feel amazing in your soul. And silence is interesting because you would go over a little, you know, like my, I've got a squirrel brain as you've already picked up. Ooh, that butterfly, you know. And, it's like, and, so, and then I'm like, no, Jesus. <laughs> and there's this great lie, you know, 10,000 choices where you wander away and come back to Jesus. 10,000 choices I've made for Jesus, hallelujah. So I keep doing that. But after a while, it becomes this place of incredible communion and intimacy with him. And then you get addicted to it. Um, so this is just some those are just some suggested things and you guys have talked a lot about this I know this is a church that that is passionate about building a culture of prayer Um, so let's just go to the last point I want to make is how Um, next slide please Uh, let's move on oh no back back another one back another one back another one there we go I don't know how we got there (laughs) That's probably on me. So how, how do we... But here's, here's what I realized. So uh, we started pushing prayer hard in our church. We started going, you know, like, we're going to make this a massive priority. We're going to teach people how to pray. And then after a while, I realized this is great, but actually this isn't enough, particularly again for GMY and younger, because we cannot overstate how addicted we are to these things. And so we're actually just beginning, okay, how about we start holding each other gently accountable to our devotional life and honestly guys the change that has happened in the last five years as we've hit this i cannot overstate and, and we realized we needed alcoholics anonymous levels of accountability if we were to fight for the secret place for gen y and younger and so we started meeting we've got these groups all over our church now but we started uh, we started with a group of guys and i just i, I shoulder tapped them in our church because good people that have been going to church for a while but they looked a bit bored to be honest and I think they were coming because they wanted their kids to grow up in the, in the thing, but I, in, the, in the Christian faith. But I wasn't that sure that the fire was on inside, you know. And so I was like, if you want to, how about we meet every week and we'll just hold each other accountable to having it. We're not going to tell you what that is because that's culty and controlling. It has to be Holy Spirit-led. But let's just see what the, whatever the next step is on your devotional life, which for most of them was having one. Let's just hold each other accountable to that very gently. So we started meeting together, and again, next slide. It was fascinating as we did some research. Well, here's the thing. What I realized is that we have our private life with Jesus and our community of faith, but next slide. But actually, what we need is a Venn diagram moment where we normalize the conversation about the most important spiritual discipline there is with our community of faith. We've got to normalize the conversation about how's your Devo's going. And I like we've normal—it's vulnerable initially. We've normalised this in our church now to the point where I can just ask that to just about anyone. I love it. I'll be out surfing, see one of the boys, you know, we'll be yarning about whatever, and I'm like, mate, so how's the devos going? Oh yeah, bro, pretty good. Like had a bit of a wobble last week, but you know, back on the wagon. Da da da. Like we've just normalised the conversation about this because the devil wants to keep it secret, and the devil wants to keep it a secret because often we feel ashamed about the state of it. But we've got to bring that into the light and that the life and the love of Jesus shine upon it and normalize that conversation so that we can... And, and it's interesting because we started meeting together, and the other thing that we struggle with in, in the Western uh, churches is, is places of confession. So if sin's missing the mark, well, we'll then, like, a rich devotional life is sin. A, a lack of a devotional life is sin because we're just missing the mark of the life we want to live, right? We often just define sin as all the naughty things, eating too many cream buns or looking at something we shouldn't look at on the Internet or whatever it may be. And it's like, but no, there's actually this rich life of Jesus that I want to live, so help me live it. I need to be accountable to these things that I don't want to just kind of have bolted on, but that are clearly the priority of my life. And so we started meeting together, and we'll go around the circle, and initially it was like, the boys were just like, nothing's happening, but I'm going to try, you know. And it's all normal people, plumbers, builders, teachers, butchers, candlestick makers, all the rest of it. It's like, And so we started meeting, so like, I remember one of the boys was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull over on the way home. This is a deputy principal with a young family, very busy. I'm going to pull over on the way home for, for a couple of minutes and listen to an electro episode. And you know, I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> right? And so, okay, we just, and we just hold each other. And what happened is that as we would get together, and we said, again, alcoholics have this great line, it works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. So we realised after a couple of years that if you stayed consistent on accountability on this thing, you would grow. And if you go to the next slide, the, um, I won't go into this, but uh, the Association for Talent Development uh, did a whole lot of research around this. And, uh, and again, this, the data is unequivocal in terms of the need for this, which is why AA works and Weight Watchers works and the rest of it. And so we will go around the circle, and uh, and people would say if it was rubbish. But what was amazing is that. Uh, as we would go around the circle, there would always be one guy who'd been struggling for months to do it, to have a, have a quiet time, but they'd finally cracked through into the transcendent glory of God that week, and they were just fizzing and like, just lit up, and the person who had confessed the fact that they'd struggled that week, because we're like, no Pharisees allowed, it's cool if it's, it's, cool if it's crap, you've got to just turn up. Um, they were re-inspired. They're like, this is why I'm fighting for this thing. And then it dawned on me, like, where do we get re-envisioned for the secret place? Sam turns up to preach a message like this, or some conference, but when it gets wobbly, it can be off, off, off-ramp for like months, maybe years, and it just becomes who we are. And I don't want that. So, like, as we met together weekly, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting re-inspired about who I want to be. And so, and would say, we're back on the wagon. I'm back on the wagon. All these people in the cafe that we meet and think we're all alcoholics because we're like, I'm back on the wagon, back on the wagon. And I'm telling you. We just, we just humbled ourselves and fought for it. And man, the missional fruit that flew out of this, is, uh, just the flow out of this, was unbelievable. It's the stuff pastors dream about because John 15 is true. It all flows from abiding and remaining with him. And so now there's not a week that goes by. It'll be very unusual for us to have a week where we have these accountability groups all over our church now because we're serious about fighting for the secret place, where there's not some unbelievable story of the kingdom breaking in it 's not birthed out of some sermon or inspirational moment it 's birthed out of the secret place i mean honestly like and, and, and people are you get addicted to it it moves from being a, d- a discipline that you 've got to have in your life to an absolute delight and so like that guy that pulls over you know for he now gets up at five thirty spends an hour of prayer every single morning and it 's the best part of his day you know there 's this plumber the other day he was like he he uh He's he gone from no devotional life, and now for years he's been consistent. The other day he's like, so I woke up to my devos, felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said, you know, I'm going to use you today. I want you to have your eyes open. He's like, oh, okay, here we go. Turns up to, He's a plumber. turns up to do this job at this guy's place. The guy opens the door, super sore back. He's like, Man, I'm sorry, I've wrecked my back. I'm just going to go back to bed in a second, but, you know, the job's over there. And gets the, he gets the little prompt, like, might, you know, I want you to pray for him. And he's like, oh, No. <laughs> So he, he goes, does the job, and he that oh, I'm sweating, I'm dropping tools, I'm puckering up, the, oh, I'm going to pray the whole time, like, Lord, give me. As he gets to the end of the day, that's a long, stressful day. <laughs> he gets to the end of the day, and just as he's at the door, you know, like, oh, we'll send you the bill, blah, blah. And then eventually he's like, Mate, can I pray for you? I'm a Christian. I believe that God wants to meet you. Do you mind if I just quickly pray for you? This is like, I mean, this is hardcore stuff, man. I know in the last story you've got of doing that sort of thing. It came out of the secret place. It came out because he was there with him every day. This is what happens. So what's the fruit of a praying life? I've talked about some of the, uh, the missional things, but here's the interesting thing. In John 15, uh, Jesus says, uh, talks about the fruit, but what is that fruit according to John 15? Firstly, he says this, As the Father's loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, and I've told you these things so that in you you may have peace. Interestingly, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So Jesus is actually saying, when you abide and remain in me, you will experience love, joy, and peace. Now, you've got to stop thinking about those as things you should do for others. Before you can do, give any of that away, it has to be embodied and experienced. So stop and imagine for a second what your soul feels like when it's filled with love, filled with joy, filled with peace. Isn't that everything your soul longs for isn't that what every bit of advertising is trying to sell you it's found in the secret place like just I just when I when I began to get my head around this I'm like how could you not be passionate about prayer if this is what results I mean as Rachel Hunter said the famous Christian prophet it doesn't happen overnight but it will happen it doesn't happen overnight right it doesn't formation is slow but it will happen but it will so let's have a look quickly at these three love I mean, do you remember those Akarok clubs? I mean, they were in churches everywhere back in the day. What happened? They've gone. They used to be everywhere. Anyway, so I'm like, sorry, that is related to the story. Um, So I'm at this retreat uh, 20 years ago, 20, 20, this is getting scary now, 21 or two years ago now, I was studying at Bible college, and as part of that, we had to have a week-long silent retreat. And it was pre-phone, okay? So like, you know, a whole other level of boredom awaiting me, right? I know your kids can't even imagine. Can you stop and imagine? You've got a week without your phone on your own in silence at a monastery. So I took some <laughs> some books. <laughs> um, and then when I got there, I was like, no, don't be stupid, Harvey. Like, let's just try and lean in, right? Guided, it was guided. So we had these times of, times of worship and that sort of thing. So anyway, like a, a couple of days, it takes my brain just to slow down because the squirrel has been drinking too much V and all that sort of thing. And it's like... And so then I eventually start chilling out, and as I do that, I just start experiencing the love of God in a very, very visceral way, like like l- liquid love, it felt like. So I was just wandering in this little monastery, and it was like by day two and a half, I'm like, ooh, and it's like literally like liquid, it was overwhelming. So I'm just in tears for two and a half, for the rest of the two and a half days, second half of the retreat, overwhelmed with the presence of God of God, pure love. It was absolutely incredible. And I, I had this moment where I'm trying to, like, I'm sitting in my little monk cell cave thing, and it's like I'm trying to, like, journal this, trying to capture just the beauty of this moment. And, I, it was, and then I felt God as clearly as I hear him, which is just sometimes tricky, but I felt him really clearly say, Sam, your experience of, of, of my love for you right now is like the water in that little cup. One of those little cups half full, and it was like, That's, that's actually the, what you're experiencing of my love, but my love for you is like this. And I looked out the window and saw the ocean, and I was like, You know, <laughs> just total, total meltdown. I needed that, you need that. We need to know how loved we are. It puts our careers in the right place. It helps us live a life of cruciform love for others. Like it, fl- it has to flow through us, but we have to experience it to know that love that's found in the secret place. Joy. Oh, man, I love this. That joy. There's a picture of me at, at my wedding with my wife. Um, you know, the, uh, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet. I love that. That's what the kingdom looks like. It's meant to feel like this. Um, joy is the serious business of heaven. Uh, be joyful always, pray continually, how interesting how they're connected in one Thessalonians. Like, joy is found in his presence. I remember uh, when I was working in Christchurch, where I used to drive uh, from the beach campus where I was the pastor through to the city campus where our offices were. It was about a 10-minute drive. So I'd do that all the time, bl- 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 all that back and forth. And then, like, so you've got 10 minutes to listen to something. And, like, every now and then I'd be like, oh, man, I just can't be bothered being a good Christian. Like, like I'm not going to listen to Tim Keller. I'm not going to listen to Hillsong. i just got to listen to some Hamish and Andy. Right? I don't know if you guys know Hamish and Andy like a comedian, comedian, uh, Australian comedic duo. Very funny podcast. And so I'm oh like, I'm just sick of all the intensity. I just want to listen to Hamish and Andy. So I, was, I listened to, I, I did that pretty much all the time, to be honest. Just listen to Hamish and Andy. Cracking up. Just, I'll just have a giggle. From one intense meeting to the next intense meeting, I had a little portal of Hamish and Andy joy, okay? And I remember clearly just this moment, again, when God spoke to me and said, I love this. I love that you're laughing. And I want you to position yourself in places of joy as often as you can, so it becomes your your, your experienced reality rather than the fleeting exception to the rule. So how could? And I was just the most liberating thing. I was like, He's the God of joy, and it's like, and again, the, the stupid dualistic worldview you've got, where it's like that's spiritual and that's not spiritual. It's like anything that's cultivating joy is a kingdom fruit. It's from Him. Flowing through whatever vessel doesn't matter. So I'm like, if Mr. Bean makes you laugh, what's some more Mr. Bean saith the Lord? You know, it's like what's gonna fill you with joy in a stressed out, depressed, cynical world, people with joy are counter cultural. And so where's that found? In the secret place. And thirdly, peace. The peace that is in Jesus. Oh, don't we need that now? To say, I've been waking up like, Rah! and then it's like I'm I'm fighting more than I have had to in, in recent months for because of how stressed I am about this time of year. Like I'm like, no, Harvey, let's go to that. We've got to go to the secret place. We've got to sit in that place in that portal of peace and find a refuge in Him. And as I do that, instill my heart and mind. Hey peace of God that transcends all understanding just comes and resides and sometimes uh, you know life can be intense and stressful and horrible uh, and I'm like God get me out of this Um, but the reality is that often the miracle is that we have the power and the peace in the midst of all the challenges not that we get into some special category that avoids it all so actually we can navigate those times with the peace of God and the presence of God with us let the peace, in Colossians 3, is says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. So I finish with this. All of that to say, uh, you're turning into somebody. And fighting for your devotional life is going to help you become a nice old man or woman. We're being formed, just because you've, the danger is you can go to church and be in church for 20 years but be a one-year-old Christian who's been in church for 20 years because you have not fought for the, the discipleship journey where well, your life every year should increasingly be a little bit more orientated around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did if he was you. We're meant to be transformed from glory to glory. we could be sanctified, to be changed. And ultimately, on the left-hand side, there's some people I'd like to be. In the middle, there's a me with an app that makes me look old. Uh, and over the other side, and I'm like, I, I, by nature, am tracking to the right. But God, by your spirit, transform me so I move to the left. And, it's, and, it's, and you become who you, like, you hang out with. So I want to hang out with the source of all love, all joy, all peace. I want to hang out with him so that I can be transformed into his image. And ultimately, you know, I love, Mark Sayers says this, like, I'm passionate about renewal. I want to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I'm all over that stuff. I'm a vineyard pastor. Come on, let's go. But Mark Sayers says this, revival is when personal renewal starts going viral. So so if you want to see the coast changed, then Lord, begin with me. X marks the spot. I want my lifestyle to be so radically changed, to be look and smell like Jesus and walking with him and all the rest of it, so that that it just bubbles out of me and starts going viral. The kingdom of God looks like love, joy, and peace flowing out of you into the broken world around us. You've got to be smoking what you're selling. We so often want to try and give this away when we're not embodying the thing of the kingdom. So the kingdom feels like love and joy and peace. And how do you do that? You change your lifestyle so that prayer isn't something you bolt on, but it's the priority of your life. So that you increasingly are permeated with love, joy, and peace. And as you do that, you become a fruity old man or a fruity old woman. You, you be, you, my grandfather was like this. He was so fruity, you could eat him in terms of the fruit of the spirit. We're talking about right? <laughs> just to be clear. I'm going to stay in age. So let's come into land. I want to I give an opportunity this morning. Um, now, uh, I've, we've got a handout for uh, people that want some homework. Um, uh, and the homework is is this, that you would develop an accountability network around you. And, you know, I just, I'm so passionate about this now because the accountability meeting, I do the least amount of work for and get the most fruitful from. It's really depressing. But I whistle to that meeting because I don't have to do anything. We've set the culture up really well. And then it's like I leave that going, I don't know about the rest of the church, but I know I'm helping make disciples in that space. And last time I checked, that was one of Jesus' great commission to us. Are you making disciples? Well, this is one of the easiest ways you can do it. Get some people around and just say, we're going to hold each other accountable about having a priority of the secret place in our life, even when it's busy, like this month. We're going to fight for that place because the devil's going after it tooth and nail. So I've got a little handout that, that will tell you the culture that we've built, how we do it, and, and I'll just encourage, we now have this as a normal conversation in our small groups, we've got hurdles, we've got upperclips, all these things, where we normalise that conversation because it's the most contested place. But I'd love us this morning to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and to set a fire in our hearts again that we would fight for the secret place. And I don't care whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or you've been a Christian for two minutes, this is a contested place. And we need to humble ourselves and say, we need help. We've got to fight for this because we want to be people who look like Jesus and who do what Jesus did, and who become like him. And the missional impact is phenomenal when people get serious about the secret place. So, we, we, so let's stand together and invite God to, to, uh, to come and, and fill us afresh with his spirit. For the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of our souls, Lord, we just ask you to come now and pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. And again, just use the, your body language to reflect your, your openness to God this morning. Just come, Lord God. And we just say, we are here, and uh, we want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And thank you that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus, is to bring revelation of who Jesus is. And so we don't want to do prayer. You know, we don't have a prayer life because we want to be good Christians. We want to have a prayer life because we love Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh with just a love for Jesus as Paul prayed, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come this morning, that we would would once more just be captivated with who Jesus is, and we would just yearn to be close to him, and that that we wouldn't just uh, run around thinking of him occasionally, but we'd have moments of communion and intimacy and, and sitting and being present to him, and that the secret place would be the great delight of our lives. Come, Lord God, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we love you because you first loved us. So Lord, pour out your love upon us that we would respond to you. As St. Augustine said, Lord, put salt on our lips that we would thirst for you afresh this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whanau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz Or of course, we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Odewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.